the letters, words and sentences that make up our lives. Why is it important to understand the language of Kabbalah? Many people learn about Kabbalah using terms such as light, Svirot, the tree of life, without actually really knowing what these words mean. But this is a shame, because when we learn the meaning of the terms in the Kabbalah in an accurate way, we obtain a precious key to the wisdom of our sages. In Jewish tradition, tremendous emphasis is placed on the actual words used. The great commentators on the Torah derived meanings, even halachot, laws, from the precise words and even their spellings as they appear in the Torah. Now, why is this? The Kabbalah, which is the innermost aspect of the Torah, teaches us that the letters themselves are specific vessels for the light of God. And these letters combine in specific ways to make words and words make sentences. What actually is a vessel? And what is the light? The light of God is the goodness of God, his bounty, the pleasantness, beauty, goodness, all that he wants to give us. All good is included in the word light. The vessel is the specific desire for an aspect of this goodness. An absence of light forms a vessel for the light because an absence creates the desire for God's light. The light of God, the light of the Creator, is one. It is one indivisible goodness. But we cannot grasp any aspect of it at all unless we have the appropriate desire. Rabbi Ashlag, the great Kabbalist, gives this example. Let's take a Sefer Torah. The light is in the white of the parchment. In the white, it contains all the wisdom of the Torah. But if it were not for the black letters, I would not know what this wisdom is saying to me. Black is the absence of light. The letters of the Torah, black ink on white parchment, are actually absences of light. And yet it is through these absences that we catch the light within their spaces. In our own lives, when we lack something, we yearn for it. A desire is created, and it is this desire that provokes us to take the appropriate steps that we need. It is the absence that provides the framework for the light. Rabbi Baruch Shalom Ashlag, the firstborn son of Rabbi Ashlag, used to teach his students, don't ask for God's light. The light of God is here all around us. Ask for the appropriate vessels, the appropriate desires with which to attract the light of God. This is a very profound teaching. How do we look at what we want? Are we living in tune with our deepest and truest desires? And if not, can we pray to God to help us make the steps we need to take in order to live in accordance with our truest desire? For only in that way, can we attract the light we need?
Our desires make up the letters, the words and the sentences of our lives. Are they really reflecting what we want? Knowing what we want isn't simple. We're complex creatures made up of two parallel frameworks which are both represented within us. Only rarely do these impulses act in a way that's obviously synergistically with each other. Most often they seem to be fighting each other. Our most basic impulses come from the will to receive for ourselves alone. These form the ego. This is the basic drive we're born with, all of us, and it develops as we grow and mature in this material world. Together with that is born within each one of us a point source from the framework of holiness. This manifests the desire to unite with God, with our source, our creator. How can we do that? One way is through the conscious intentional practice of Torah mitzvot, or, if we're not religious, through the study of the wisdom of our sages and the practice of good deeds in an unconditional, altruistic way. Our development within the framework of holiness is step by step, as we allow the point source within us to grow and develop. It's better to do a little bit each day than to aim too high and get frustrated. And this is because when we choose to act according to the framework of holiness, according to our higher impulses, our basic ego tends to rear its head and protest. So every day we're faced again with the same choice. Which of the frameworks are we going to choose? This is not a theoretical choice, but a moment-to-moment -moment decision made up of little steps and of little decisions. Like children first learning to write, we make individual letters and then words and finally sentences, bringing the letters together to make the story of our lives. We can be helped by studying the letters and words of the Torah, because through the Torah we can discover the letters and words that are appropriate for our soul as well. This is because the Zohar states, the Torah, the Holy Blessed One and Israel are one. The term Israel refers to the soul because the word Israel comes from the word Yashar El, straight to God. So the Torah, God and the soul are all the same essence. As we learn the Torah, we're connecting with God and with our soul. That's why knowing the language of the innermost aspect of the Torah, the Kabbalah, is so important for us because then we can apply this great wisdom to our lives. We don't have to feel that we have to invent the wheel by ourselves. Each one of us, although an individual, is part of the great chain of humanity that stretches back through the generations, a chain of which we form a unique and integral part. Today, we're going to look at one word of the Kabbalah. The relationship that the vessels form with the light is termed in the Kabbalah Zivug. Zivug is also the term we use for the relationship between a man and his wife. The term Zivug implies the union of opposites. It is the union between male and female, the union between giver and receiver, 
the creator and the created. How can this union come about when the two sides are opposed to each other? The process in which the zivug happens is called in the Kabbalah zivug to haka'ah. Zivug means union, but haka'ah means hitting. The desire of the light is to give, and the desire of the vessel is to receive. Well, on the surface, nothing seems more simple. Let the light give to the vessel, and everything's hunky-dory. But, although that seems logical, it's not what works in practice. There's a spiritual principle that two spiritual entities that are acting in opposite ways are actually very separated from each other. Only when they are acting in similar ways can they unite. So, if the light is giving and the vessel is receiving, they're actually opposite and separated and the light cannot enter the vessel under these conditions. But a compromise comes about when the vessel starts to receive, not according to its own desire of receiving, but because it comes to understand that the light wants to give and it wants to help the light fulfill its ambition of giving. So then its action of receiving would actually be an action of giving. In order to make this real and not some sort of fiction, its first action is simply to give all the light back. That is the action of haka'ah. That is the action of hitting. It is the action of refusal to accept the light. Even though it does have a desire for the light, because that's what first attracts it to come, nevertheless it hits it back, it gives it back, it refuses to receive in its original way. Only by doing that first can it then receive for the sake of giving pleasure to the Creator because it is first let go of its own desire. An example of such an event is given by Rabbi Ashlag. He writes, It's in the nature of a person to value and hold dear the quality of giving benefit and to be repulsed by and despise the quality of taking from one's fellow. Let's take the example that if somebody comes to another person's house and the host asks him to eat, even though he may be very hungry, he refuses to eat because he doesn't want to just take from a gift from his fellow. But if the host beseeches him repeatedly to join him in a meal to such an extent that it becomes obvious to him that he'll be doing the host a great favour if he eats his food, then he agrees to eat with him. Because now he no longer feels he's receiving a gift and the host is giving to him, but he feels the opposite. He now feels that he's the one who's giving the host the pleasure by the fact that he's accepting. So even though hunger and appetite are the usual vessels for receiving food, and this guest did have sufficient hunger to receive his host's meal, nevertheless, he didn't want to taste even the smallest thing because he felt shame. But when the host began to entreat him and he began to refuse, and that refusal is what we would call haka'ah, is the giving back, there begins to form within him new vessels for receiving the meal. As the power of the host's entreaties and the power of the guest's refusals grow stronger, in the end they grow to a sufficient measure to transform the guest's quality of receiving to one of giving, 
because now the guest is able to believe that he's doing a favour and bringing great happiness to his host by the fact that he's receiving from him. And thus, new vessels for receiving the host's meal are formed. When we're in a relationship of any kind, whether it's between a spouse or between parent and child or neighbours or friends, we do come across our own desires, which are often opposed to those of the other ones. How can we deal with this? How can we deal with these conflicts? At a wedding that I was present at this week, in which the Khatan, the groom, spoke of the relationship with his bride, which had been developing over the last year, he became aware that every time that he reacted to something difficult between them, using his own desire to receive, that tended to drive them apart. But if he first refrained from reacting, just held his peace, choosing instead to try to give empathy, understanding, holding pattern, he found at the end a deeper love between them, waiting for them both, deeper than he'd ever experienced in this life before. To me, that is a perfect description of the process of Zivug the way the light comes into the vessel. It represents the tension that exists between two frameworks which can be within ourselves or within each other, the framework of the ego and the framework of holiness. If we can first refrain from using our default nature, that of the ego, we can allow something new to develop, something exciting, something deeper, something higher. We can allow the entry of light into the vessel in a way we haven't experienced before. And it is new, because light uniting with us is always new, always unexpected, and brings us to a level of consciousness beyond any previous experience. And that is Zivug. This audio recording is brought to you from Nahora School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahora School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.